Howdy, howdy, folks, and welcome back to another episode of So Stereotypical. Where us two media creators discuss LGBTQ plus issues, media, politics, and whatever else we want to talk about. I am one of your hosts, Alexander Prevost. And I am Noah Deheim. I'm trying to do that eh thing that you're doing like that. Eh. Every time like, ah. Eh. Exactly. Because you know what? I'm so tired. I woke up 45 minutes ago. And today we're going to talk about our little wrap up. We're going to kind of go over some of the big major events that happened this year. We're going to talk about some of the cool highlights from the pod and generally what we're looking forward to next year in 2023 because, you know, it's been, it's been a long, 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 long year. It sure has. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. But as always, remember to follow us on social media. I am on Instagram. So follow me there. And I think that's about it. At Noah Dayheim at N-O-A-H-D-A-H-E-I-M. That link is down below. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Alexander PRVST. I probably will have some other platform at some point soon, but that really depends on how Twitter shapes up because of the elongated muskrat. You, you you're such also... a bootlicker. You're such a bootlicker staying Listen, on that platform. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's so, it's, I already have platforms going on there. I, I'm too lazy to get off it and like start over. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just. I'm. In, I'm also. I'm also someone that enjoys watching drama. I enjoy watching things burn down to the ground with my bag of popcorn and a smile on my face, knowing that karma is real. See, so, I. I love watching stuff burn down as well, but I like it from a distance. You know, I. I prefer not to be in the center of. You know, something if you it... can handle the getting wet, get out of the splash zone, baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell that we've only been awake for about forty-five minutes? <laughs> oh man, after long, long traveling for both of us, it has been. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also uh... remember, follow us as a podcast on. Um. What are we on? We're on Instagram. We're still kind of on Twitter, but at so stereotypical underscore pod. And that will be linked down below as well. So, Alexander, what happened this year? You know, Noah, there are, there have been a lot of pop culture moments, big and small. There have been a lot of political moments, big and small. But I think one of the biggest things that like we have to talk about because it has been affecting our political sphere and our conversations around politics so heavily is the Dobbs case, the overturning of yep. Roe versus Wade. That's yeah. a that was a huge, huge touchstone in not only pop culture but political news this year. What were what was like take us back to the day that that happened. What was like your reaction to that? What was that like for you kind of hearing the news what were your thoughts how do you think that's really how do you think that's been a huge touchstone moment in our politics this year so i was at work um i was working from home at the time 
and uh so I'm a video editor and I um, usually have like the news on in the background and then all of a sudden a flashing screen came on that breaking news, Dobbs decision is in. And the fact that it was so much worse than what we thought, because we got the leak earlier in the year. Yeah. We got the Supreme Court leak several months earlier basically saying the same thing that they were going to overturn Roe. They really didn't change the wordage on it. Um, that that was basically that. But I think the true gut punch uh, came from Justice Clarence Thomas in his um, opinion when he was saying that they don't want to stop at Roe, that they have way more shit that they want to get rid of they have way more stuff that they want to destroy they want to take america back to what it was when it was founded and as a reminder when america was founded it was a racist homophobic piece of shit okay so when they overturned roe uh, on that day, it was, we all knew it was going to happen. We didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen uh, because of how radical this court is. And then it kind of just, I personally felt numb because I knew that this had way greater implications than, oh, some states are going to overturn it how I overturned abortion, how I saw it was, holy shit, thousands of people are going to die because of this. Thousands of women and children and individuals who can get pregnant and individuals that need health care from uh, places that are um, budget-friendly, such as Planned Parenthood, there are people that need help. and. They specifically are targeting these places that help low-income individuals. This decision did not affect people in the 1%. This decision did not affect no. people in the top Absolutely 20%. Not. Because mm -hmm. it means there's all these people that can travel still and get abortions wherever the hell they want to get abortions. There are still people that can... Uh, have private doctors and do all of that this affects low-income individuals at a higher rate than anybody else because it is taking away health care that they need mm -hmm. so that was really the everything kind of rushing in all at once when it did become a reality when they overturned it and it was yeah. It's just sad that we're at a time where we're going backwards again instead of moving forwards. And I feel like if we just had different people on that court, we could grow and develop way more as a nation and make it such a better place to live. But that then that goes into everything that we talked about last week. <laughs> yeah listen to last week's episode if you haven't gotten the chance folks um 
Yeah, I agree. I think the overturning of Roe versus Wade was probably one of the most monumental decisions that the Supreme Court has made in the last several years. I don't, I, I look back on that day, you know, we knew that was going to happen based on the leaks, but kind of looking back on that day and observing like, hey, what happened that day? What, how are we feeling? I remember being at work because I was working a barista job over the summer and my coworkers were all just like, oh, great. They were just like so pissed, so upset. I was just, I was, I, the first thing I thought about was, oh shit, what about my sister? Yeah. Like, what about all my other friends that have vaginas and people that can reproduce? What about all my, what about all the incredible, fabulous, you know, mentors I've had that have been women throughout my life? What about, you know, all the people that are lower income that aren't, can't, like you said, can't afford to travel out of state? It was just so deeply frustrating to see such a regressive policy be instated by our Supreme Court that, you know, overturning of Roe versus Wade leading to so many trigger laws going into effect. It just, I think what, when we look at the way Roe versus Wade being overturned has affected our political conversations, I think it's no, it's going to be a no brainer that going into the 2024 election, reproductive justice and reproductive health care is going to be a major talking point within the presidential debate, as well as big, as we saw with the midterms being like a preview, it's going to be a huge talking point within the presidential and Senate and other congressional races. Mm -hmm. And whether or not a candidate supports, you know, partial bans or complete bans on abortion or whether or not a candidate supports, you know, full protections for Planned Parenthood and reproductive and sexual health care, that's going to be a huge, you know, push or pull for voting and for a lot of people living in those demographics and, you know, districts. So I think there are a lot of long-standing political ramifications for the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I also just think it's very telling that a lot of countries have lots of protections for reproductive health care and also in tandem to that offer tons of, you know, healthy conversations around sexuality and sex ed. You know, there's very affordable, accessible, not just, you know, abortion care, but also cancer screenings and STI testing and all these like very developed sexual health practices. And then here we have America overturning abortion. Like what? Like, it's like, how outdated can you be? You know, we've got countries like Sweden and Canada and Germany having these very progressive conversations, the Netherlands, and the, all these countries have historically lower statistics of abortion rates, not because they have access to abortion, but because they equip their entire population with tools to have healthy conversations around sex. Yeah. And they take care of themselves and practice better in the bedroom. You know, well, if what we... I don't I don't like <sighs> is that other countries are making it so easy 
they're making it look so easy too because they're just doing all of this but what i don't like is that we live in a country where they are just turning it into political talking points and they're never going to do anything about it for the past 30 years you have um left saying that they are going to codify Roe. If you vote it, if you vote enough of us in, we're going to codify it. If you vote and enough it of us happens. in, it's like, it's like hanging a dog treat in front of uh, a dog. They're not going to actually go get it. It's just a point for us to chase after it. Exactly. And, and, and once again, goes back to our episode last week. If you're, uh, if your legislators aren't doing what you want them to do, right? Exactly. You vote them out. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. I'm a big proponent on you get one chance as a legislator. You get one chance as a legislator. If you can't do anything in a four year or a six year term that we're electing you into, then you're not going to do anything in another four or six year term. So exactly. time for somebody else to get into that position. Yeah. And, you know, kind of closing out this, you know, brief dialogue on Roe, there's so much we can talk about, but, you know, both of us being AMAB, we don't really understand what it's like to experience, you know, menstrual health or dealing with, you know, pregnancies or whatnot. So we can't speak to those perspectives, but, you know, as allies to those communities and for anyone else listening that might be in this position, just remember that it's important to look out for your AFAB and, you know, reproductive friends in these times, you know, be an ally, do your research, get involved, donate to organizations, learn how you can help fight the uh, ongoing stripping of reproductive health and justice in the United States because this issue doesn't just affect you know reproductive bodies this also affects breeding bodies this you know affects men and you know this affects not you know it also affects the sexual health of trans women because a lot of policies because they are women they are grouped into that same group with cis women and a lot of health policies that are you know given to cis women are also denied for trans women so exactly the fact that we are politicizing this issue, like I'm not saying everything is political. We shouldn't politicize everything. But I think the mistake that we are having these conversations is we're treating it as political cannon fodder and not a human rights issue. I think it's deeply frustrating that a lot of, especially neoliberal and conservative politicians are approaching policy creation with the purpose of Re- staying in power and not focusing on how can I maximize the happiness and well-being of not just my constituents, but the people of my country, not yeah. just my my local community, but my national community, because America sets an example for a lot of things, because like it or not, we are the global dominating force in the in the world because of the of capitalism and imperialism. And is that yeah. a good thing? Uh, yeah. I would say it's not, but you know, that's a conversation for another time. Exactly. And I think it's just worth noting that because so many eyes are on American politics at all times, I think it is important that we lead with a good example. And 
I think the fact that we overturned Roe versus Wade kind of justifies people treating us like laughing stock. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. honest. It's kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. It if you see what they were talking about on BBC and see what they were talking about even on Russian news platforms. We are a laughing stock now. And I feel like we have been for a while because of oh, yeah. the 2016 elections too. I feel oh, like that absolutely that was the downturn is 2015 should, 2016. It should be a huge like like it should be like such a mirror moment where you like oh shit. You know, a it's rap. one of those moments. It should be like oh shit, a rat. <laughs> it should be one of those moments where like yeah. you look in the mirror and say that unironically. Like be like oh shit. Points at the mirror. A rat. <laughs> exactly. That's all politicians. But That's all politicians. It should, be, it should be a moment like that. You yeah. should be having one of those, like, oh, come to Jesus moments if you have been ousted in a political election and the countries around the world are ringing bells and shooting off fireworks. That exactly. should be, like, the biggest, like... <laughs> That should be, like, the biggest, like, red flag that you have done something wrong, is that other countries are celebrating your loss. Exactly. All right. So, what else happened this year? Queen Lizzie died. Rest in peace, Queen Lizzie. No, that, that, (laughs) ironically, that was a big issue between that and then everything else that happened in the UK this year. That, the UK was just kind of a shit show as well. Because what you had Boris Johnson uh, get into big issues and then he had to resign. And then you had Liz Truss who stepped in as prime minister in his place. And she was the shortest lasting um, (laughs) prime minister of the UK lasting only a few weeks. And then she Benjela crammed herself so fast. Oh my God. That was, that was hilarious she was in and out and now they have a new prime minister rishi sunak and it's just if you have that many issues in the same political party i think you should i don't know change the political party (laughs) because all three of them were from the conservative political party have a conversation (laughs) have a conversation maybe maybe change it up a little bit and stop because Maybe you're trying to fix it and say exactly. the problem is me the problem it's is me. me they're trying to hi <laughs> fucking hate taylor swift no she's mother don't come no, for she mother is not. i will... no she is not she's my mother so yeah that was a, that, that was a big issue and then and then of course uh queen lizzie died i i found it kind of um humorous that um the queen died right after liz trust stepped into power because liz trust specifically said that she did not like the queen and then she met the queen and then like what a week later the queen died so i i'm not one for conspiracy theories (laughs) but i'm joking i'm joking i'm not no that's a joke it's a joke we Um, don't want to get sued for libel um (laughs) Um, yeah, but, uh, I, it was interesting to kind of reflect on the loss of a very, of the, like, the world's longest 
monarch. That's wild. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know why we have a need for monarchs at all. Like, I don't want to talk about this, like, at this time, because we get into a very long spiel about anti-imperialism, and then I'd get on my anarchist bullshit again, and I don't want to do that right now. I'm too tired to be an anarchist at the moment. (laughs) So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say, like, you know, am I mourning the loss of a human being? Sure. Like, Elizabeth was a person, you know, just like anyone else. Well, that's debatable. She might also have been a vampire. Um, but, but she's but, not related but. to Rudy Giuliani. She can't be a vampire. That's right. You're correct. God damn yeah. it. You're so fuck, 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 fuck. Okay. But, but that being said, you know, I am not mourning the loss of a colonizer. I am yeah. not mourning the loss of an imperialist. Like, exactly. I feel empathy for her family because she lost, they lost a loved one. Cool. Mm-hmm. Great. But I will not mourn the loss of a colonizer, nor will I mourn the loss of an imperialist. Um, And I think it'll be interesting to see the way mm, King Charles will, you know, step up to the plate and see how British politics adapt to the loss of Queen Elizabeth and see how pop culture in the UK has changed. Like, it'll be very interesting to see how that, you know, adapts. Yeah, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how long he ends up reigning as well. So it's going to be, I don't know, will they finally dissolve it after him? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. I mean, who who knows? It'll be interesting to see what that happens. And I mean, I'll just say this. As an American, I too sympathize with the loss of a queen because we lost Betty White. And I'm very sad about that still. That was not 2020. That was this year. That was December of... Uh, last year. No, we, no it was, it was, was it that was this year? Yeah, it was this year. Betty White died this year. Um, Betty. No, you're right. She died January 31st. No, she died. She died. She died. Um, December 31st, 2021. Okay, she died that, the day that before. That counts. That does count. Okay, <laughs> because. Oh man. It was so close to this year. It counts. That counts. And close enough. Clo- she. Oh, she was so close to a hundred. Just such God. an ally. She was such a savage too. Like, yeah. If you've seen her, her Comedy Central roasts are so fucking funny. Like, oh, they're the best. And I love Betty White. I love Betty White. Having someone who was having someone like that who was almost a hundred years old, who was so kind and loving to everyone mm-hmm. does it shows one thing it shows that when we give excuses to older people saying they're from another generation that's not a fucking excuse no that's not a fucking she was excuse. always Betty White was always willing to, I mean, you. if I remember seeing the day she passed and the days after, I remember seeing clips of her back in like the 60s, you know, speaking out against racism. She's always been a friend of Judy or she's always been an ally of friends of Judy, as it were. You know, she's, she was always so ahead of the times. Don't you mean and, Dorothy? I know, 
friend of Dorothy. Shit. Who the fuck is Judy? I don't Judy? even know my own history. Who the fuck is this Judy? <laughs> Judy Garland. Leave, look, listen, listen, listen. I've been awake for less than an hour. Okay, queer history has not fully been updated in my brain. I'm going through, I'm buffering still. <laughs> You're still buffering. Um, I mean, I'm still yeah, buffering. my brain at the end of the year just resets and gets ready for a whole nother. Whole nother. Yeah, but um, yeah. she was an ally of Friends of Dorothy. She was an absolute icon. Was she perfect? No. But who is? And, you know, I too am mourning the loss of a queen that I thought was going to make it to 100. So I guess there's sympathy so there, She's colonizer. So She's 17 days away. I oh, know. Oh my God. Um, and speaking of allies, the Respect for Marriage Act, that was the thing that happened this year. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I actually do like that because I feel like the Respect for Marriage Act was more of that ally uncle in the family than it is the queer cousin. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Because the queer cousin knows and that. understands knows and understands what it is to be gay. And then the ally right. uncle is the one that's like, uh, I mean, I guess you can be gay, but like, yeah. you can like, I, I mean, it's yeah. kind of like not okay, but like, oh, fine. It's like that, that vague shit. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think that's a very good illustration of the law. I think while I am grateful I'm grateful that it protects existing marriages. Like that is that is a win. Let's not let's not diminish the value of that very small win within the bill. I also think there's so much fine print within and surrounding the bill that I think it is worth noting that like man, it's it, it it's not going to it's not that it's going to do more harm than good. It's just not going to be enough to stop the harm. Like, band again, Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. Again, Taylor Swift, second one of the day. Hey, I'm on a roll here. Um, but yeah, Band-Aids do not fix bullet holes. And you Are know, you kidding? It, that's a quote from Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's from Bad Blood. Seriously, <laughs> we put that in the episode last week. Damn it. Um, I knew what I was doing. I'm converting you. Damn it. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. It, 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 we're, if we lose Obergefell in the next couple of years, the Respect for Marriage Act is going to thankfully protect the existing marriages. And I'm grateful for that. What I'm not grateful for is the fact that it's not going to do anything to protect new marriages from occurring. That's not going to protect polyamorous relationships. That it's not going to, you know, it's not going to make any harsh laws on, like, saying, like, hey, I get that you're a religious person, but these are people that you still need to help. You know what yeah. I mean? The fact that Section 6 of the Acts exists in the first place is so depressing because it's like, gay marriage, asterisk, religious organizations can still deny you service. Which is, like, that's really frustrating because some people are religious and queer. And want to support their local institutions. What about that? You know, it's just yeah things to think about. It's it, just frustrating. It's sad. It's confusing. And it's just not working out in that regard. So, yeah. 
what else? Um, God, what else? <laughs> I think it's time for us to highlight what we did this year in the past three months. Hey, we were in the top 10% of podcast listened around the world. That's kind of cool. That That's is. kind of a slay. That's really cool. Um, slay. One of the most shared podcasts, one of the most listened to podcasts. Um, it it was really cool. We yeah. still have a long way to go. Um, but it was really fun. It was a really, really fun year. And so let's kind of talk about what we talked about this year. So let's start off with our very first episode, Matt Walsh. Oh, that was such a fun episode. It was really cool. I'm so proud of that just because it was our inaugural episode. Yeah. But what I loved about that episode was I loved that we took a different approach to the film. And rather than talking about like... You say film? You know... Sorry, oh my sorry, God. sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm being generous here. I'm being, being generous too here. Generous. I'm being, let me, let me rephrase that. Talking about the video project that happens <laughs> to be marketed as a film. Thank you. There we go. Um, respect on my industry. <laughs> I, I, um, I respect that we didn't approach it from like a, a perspective of like being like, oh, yada, yada, yada. But like, Rather, we focused on analyzing it from, like, a media criticism lens and broke down, like, how, like, filming techniques and, interviewing you know, editing techniques. played into, yeah. you know, conveying the political message. Like, the exactly. sequencing of interviews was very intentional and very deliberate. And Camera set I don't up, think a... uh, audio, background music, everything, yeah. Exactly. And that's... I, I feel like when people discussed that documentary masquerade thing you know i think a lot of people made a lot of really excellent criticisms of its political arguments but i don't think there was enough conversation talking about how the film is a vehicle or the project sorry the project is a vehicle for those political arguments through its setup and end its filmography and it's you know editing so I'm, I'm glad we talked about that that was really cool it was nuanced it was different and i appreciate yeah. that and yeah i was very proud of that episode especially as our inaugural episode and there's still so much more to talk about regarding matt walsh as an individual because he has gotten in mm-hmm. even more hot water with homophobic transphobic and even more hate i think he's Bigotry. working on another video right now as well and he is just continuing on this cycle of hate even more than what he did in the project What is a Woman. So, yeah, I, I was very proud of that episode and um, what we did and what we highlighted. If you have not listened to it, go ahead and give it a listen. Um, another thing that... Uh, was really fun this year was the trilogy. We broke <gasps> down Love, Simon, uh, Bros, and Fire Island. I loved that. That was, I was in my, I was in my media critic, video essayist, journalist, film review bag. I was vibing. I had so much fun with those films. It was great approaching queer cinema from a like, 
a critical lens and being like, hey, these are mainstream films that flopped. Why did this happen? What does good representation look like through the lens of queer media? What can we learn from these mistakes in Hollywood? And having those conversations with an optimistic look outlook, like by ending with Fire Island was deliberate because instead of like ending like that duology and being like, okay, part three, why does this suck? Where do we go from here? We, I think we subverted it by doing a positive film critique and being like, hey, Fire Island's a good example. What does this get right? And that's why I think that was one of my, I think personally, those are my favorite episodes from this year was yeah. because we did something a little different and we focused on a where can we go from here perspective. And I really liked that. I thought that I think we should do that more in society, normalize the how can we get better narrative in any space, really. Yeah. No, I really did enjoy it. It was fun doing the, okay, this is horrible queer media. <laughs> yep. This is, it's getting kind of somewhere now, but it's it's still bad <laughs> to then, yeah. okay, here's a good example of queer media. Here's right. a good example of queer representation in Hollywood. I, I love exactly. that breakdown, and that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I mean, all right. any, oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 sorry, you can go ahead. I was going to say, any chance that we can get to stand talented queer artists on this platform is always a treat. And I mean, hey, hey, Joel, Joel, Joel Kim Booster, no. if you're listening, no. call me, call me. I, I don't have, I won't put my number on here, but you can find me on social media and I will give you my number there. I know you're in a relationship, but if you're in an open one, call me. Okay, okay. Call Alexander. me. <laughs> Alexander, put it back in your pants. Um, no, another so thing, Another thing that happened this year that we covered was Elon Musk. <gasps> the rat himself. Um, no. he, he's in even oh, more shit, hot water. Oh, shit, a rat. He is in even more hot water now um, due to him banning journalists on his platform um this past week and him finding it kind of as a game to oh somebody says something bad about me then i can ban them so here's the thing here's my opinion on this whole thing okay he has full capability of doing that that is all okay for him to do that it is a private company twitter is a private company now he can do whatever he wants to the platform but but he is a so-called free speech absolutist which means that he is and he has said he is not going to ban anybody for saying bad stuff about him. He's not going to ban anybody for sharing his location. He's not going to ban anybody for this or for that because it is all about free speech. Well, what part about free speech is then banning people for free speech? <laughs> See, mm. that's that's the thing. Like, he can do whatever he wants with the platform, and I wouldn't have an issue with him banning the journalists if it wasn't for him saying that he was not going to do that because he is a free speech absolutist. So that's just my thing. But 
the whole Elon Musk takeover of Twitter and all of that. That was a fun episode to kind of we highlighted that. But then we also highlighted a lot of his transphobic and homophobic rhetoric over the years and how that is translating into even more transphobic and homophobic rhetoric on um, on the platform itself. So that was speech. Yeah, no, skyrocketed. Like hate yeah. speech skyrocketed the moment Elon took over and gutted his internal like standards and community guidelines team. That was huge. And then, like you mentioned, like the gutting and like banning of journalists talking about him on the platform. To now we're seeing other social media platforms, their platforms on Twitter for them to promote their websites are being blocked. I guarantee you they're not doing that to Twitter though on Instagram, but it, Twitter has banned Instagram from the app, and that's. That's if it's like there's that idea of like free speech also is like beneficial for capitalism because it promotes competition. But Twitter has essentially banned all competition from its website. So how does that play into implications of free speech? You know, cherry picking, right? It's it's cherry picking. It really is. So that we might revisit that uh, coming up in 2023. Um, Mm -hmm. We might discuss all of that um and further implications of that as well and then uh, another thing that we discussed and we'll just briefly mention it was the kanye west and tucker carlson interview oh we did Uh. not know anything at that point because it got so much worse when then kanye went on to the alex jones podcast and it just it's taken a whole different direction and it's gotten so much worse and exactly yeah the worst case scenario that you could possibly think of for that situation happened and that's that's deeply just telling of the whole situation i'm not gonna speak i'm gonna keep my thoughts on kanye brief because i don't want to discuss him i don't want to platform him i don't want to give him the time of day because truly he is not deserving of it So I'll just say this, Kanye sucks, fuck anti-Semitism, and protect marginalized communities. That's all. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, a quick fun thing that I think would be interesting. What was your, just briefly, what was your favorite episode this year? Ooh. Well, I, I did say that the trilogy was my favorite, but of the three, I would say I really, really loved the Love, Simon episode. And the reason why is because it was a growing moment for me, because when I was younger, and I talked about this in the episode, I was a Love, Simon stan, because, you know, when you're younger and you don't, you're a bit inexperienced with the world and you're new in your queer identity, films like that can be helpful when you're transitioning into a openly queer status. Yeah. But as an adult who is much more confident in their identity, as someone that is more aware of how to consume media in a critical way and be a more ethical consumer of their media, it was nice to finally just like grow past the pick me gay mentality and be like, okay, so this film is bad. Here's why. You know, it, it was nice to 
revisit something that's nostalgic without letting the nostalgia control me. So personally, that was my favorite episode because we hit all the nails on the head. We had a great nuanced conversation and it was a growing moment. It was cool. Yeah. Exactly. What about you? What was your favorite episode? So my favorite episode was actually episode two where we discussed what they think about the children. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I really enjoyed that is because reflecting on it now when so much has happened in the past couple months it's been about two months since we published that episode okay yeah and i i don't know it's just sad seeing even more increase of attacks against the queer community especially against the uh drag queen um drag queen story hour okay the increase of attacks against that so the reason why i really enjoyed that episode was because i love um taking bills and what um and this is why i very much enjoyed the respect for marriage episode as well uh because i enjoy taking bills and what um senators are saying that they are passing but then dissecting it and actually showing what they what their true feelings are about something and what their true motive is that's the better word what their true motive is so i really enjoyed that episode because fuck marjorie taylor green um and her rhetoric towards the queer community but her attack mainly towards young queer people yes she the reason why she hates young queer people is because she feels threatened by them and that's a good thing (laughs) that's a good thing when a politician feels like an organization or a group of people is getting too close to them getting too up in arms about stuff that they're doing that means that we're doing something right because we're get, we're trying to get rid of the ulterior ulterior motives that um legislators are trying to pass so exactly. those were my two favorite episodes now kind of just looking forward to next year 2023 so this is our last episode of 2022 we're going to take mm-hmm. a week off and then we're going to come back and Uh, slay the world and slay the world and (laughs) we're really going to talk about this is going to be a very interesting year for queer news Mm -hmm. and we're going to get a decision basically on if um obergefell is going to be overturned and we're going to uh we're, we're going to see a lot of hate growing towards the queer community and but with that, we're also going to see the queer community grow and develop even more and be more united. So I think that's what we should work. Hopefully. 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 So yeah. that's what I want to highlight next year is showing the unity of the queer community going forward. Yes. And um, with that, we're going to also have guests on the podcast. And if you have any episodes or anything that you want us to cover go ahead and please just let us know and we will get to it 
<laughs> we will definitely get to it. We have a yes. list, a schedule of stuff that we are talking about. Um, but yeah. we would love to hear from you all about that. Yeah, I think we got a lot of cool stuff planned for next year. There's a lot of cool things happening. I'm very excited. Honestly, that being said, though, I am ready to take a week to hibernate. I am ready to recover from this very long, very exhausting year and prepare myself for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the beautiful. Because I feel like I hope, my hope is that next year, you know, we do get some really fantastic things. Because, unfortunately, bad news is the most profitable news. And I hope that we get a chance to not just highlight, like you mentioned, just, you know, the things that will happen in politics in terms of queer media, but also talk a lot about the cool things that happen. Talk about cool things, cool people, cool ideas. Get a little more, you know, get some positivity out there. Because like we mentioned in our third episode, you know, talking about media anxiety, there is a lot of importance and value in looking at good news, you know, and talking about the good things in the world and being positive, you know? So, yes, we will be discussing way more lighthearted stuff going into the new year because I feel like that is important to cover and helping with that whole media anxiety so with all of that said we will see you all or you'll hear from us again in the new year love you Alexander Mm -hmm. I love you too Noah